In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 230. Green Lantern Corps Quarterly... Or the, the, yeah. yeah, quarterly, quarterly. Yeah, it's our quarterly, quarterly episode. Uh, just under the wire. <laughs> just like last time. But we are like, recording in September, so no matter what, this was recorded in the third quarter. <laughs> yes. Um, so we are covering Greenland and Core quarterly number three, featuring stories of Alan Scott and the Justice Society of America, Nort. Plus, whatever happened to Charlie Vicker and a uh, new slash old lantern that uh, we've never heard of before, the hero of an underwater world. And uh, Mark's going to start us off because he always gets the short shrift when we do these because I claim Alan Scott. And for whatever reason, when, we, when I claim Alan Scott, it just turns out that uh, I get the good stories and Mark gets the shit. But <laughs> maybe it'll I don't necessarily think favor. that's always the case. I mean, I think I think I, I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head much about the previous two quarterlies, but I think there have been at least <laughs> there have been a couple of decent, decent stories and. In that one. Plus, don't forget, the, wasn't like the first issue almost all about Alan Scott? Because we both, because I did an Alan Scott, I thought I did the Alan, an Alan Scott story on one of these. So, I think, I I think the first one might have been mostly Alan Scott with, unfortunately, Nort thrown in. But, uh, alright, so, so we begin. As all of these so far have been, it's been a book of something. <laughs> Every single title of each quarterly has been the book of something, and this one is the book of stories. So Gerard Jones is the writer, M.D. Bright the penciler, Romeo Tangal the inker, Albert de Guzman letterer, and Anthony Tallinn is the colorist, Eddie Berganza assistant editor, and Kevin Dooley the editor. So basically we're on, we are on Oa, and have a bunch of, bunch of new Green Lanterns for the most part, all hovering, hovering is the wrong word, but they're all sitting around the campfire with Kilowogs, and Pretty much they're all asking for Kilowog to, yeah, tell us a story, tell us a story. And pretty much the first, you know, the first few pages of this is pretty much, other than the cool, that's always a cool scene to see Kilowog eating marshmallows. <laughs> but pretty much it's just a, pretty much an introduction of, of all the current lanterns that uh, Kilowog is training, including Budika and, what, Tom, Tomar 2, right? Tomar yes. 2? Tomar 2, this... My Zudarians, I've been slipping between the between the Sinestro core and this. Uh, Creon, Brick. Uh, uh, let's see who else we have. Uh, Amon, was it Amanita? Yeah. Uh, 
So, who has a unique talent of being super, super slow, and as we find out, including speaking super, super slow. So, Kilowog, as he keeps, you know, he's eating his great marshmallow, crispy on the outside, runny on the inside, pretty much, he's building up to tell a story, everybody's impatient, but mostly Boudica is impatient, he's like, come on, get on with it. So, the first, so we've been. <laughs> <laughs> that, reminds My, me, that reminds me of, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Get on with it! <laughs> yes, get on with it! True. <laughs> so much like Kilowog and now us, we they do get on with it. And the first story is called Depth Charges, and this is written by Michael Jan Friedman, Dave Cockrum of X Men fame as the penciler, and Brad Vincadia is the inker. Alberto de Guzman is still the letterer, and this time Steve Matson is the colorist. So we have to kind of see this reptilian-looking Green Lantern. Uh, he's he's flying uh, he's flying in space, about to come down to this planet. And how come I lost somewhere in this? It tells you what sector, doesn't it? Or does it tell you the name? Does it just tell you the on the? I thought on the first page it told you, but I guess I guess it doesn't. Um, but basically, he's he's come to uh, is it Fluvia? Um, they called it the Fluvian, so I'm assuming it's Fluvia. Yeah. So they they come to the planet Fluvia, and his his goal or his the reason he is there is to basically give christen a new Green Lantern, find a new Green Lantern to give the ring to, and he basically from observation he he realized that uh or he knows that basically there are two sentient races on this planet, the Olav, you know, are pretty much the uh the have-nots of the, of this culture and the afal are the haves because basically one lives on the shallow waters and they have to struggle to get food and water and the afal you know live on the ocean floor where everything is you know abundant so they pretty much don't have to want for anything uh, and of course the afal because they don't want for anything they're much they're much more attuned to science and art and things like that uh, so but but he didn't he didn't really care about, you know, the inequality of the society. Supposedly, he basically was there just to find a Green Lantern who was, you know, who was worthy. And he basically stumbles upon in a fall, and his name was Lynn Kanar. And he basically, his ring, you know, let, led him to Lynn, and Lynn was, was the most worthy, but of course, he rejects the ring. And of course, the Green Lantern's kind of surprised. It's like, uh, do you know what? <laughs> do you know what I'm offering to you? And he goes, Oh, I know exactly what you're offering. Immense power to do good. But then he kind of reveals, I already have that on my own because basically he's got this kind of like almost like this this Bruce Banner, Doctor Octopus kind of experiment that that went that went wrong with chemical explosions and everything else and and energy and basically gave him super fluvian strength. <laughs> So pretty much he's kind of acting as a superhero on his own trying to you know right the wrongs and without having the need for a green lantern ring. So from his point of view the you know the, uh, the GL is better off finding someone else and he goes, "Eh, find somebody else and I'll be more than happy to uh you know to welcome them with open arms and work with them." So the green lantern reluctantly kind of goes, "Okay, I I will do that." And he so his ring basically goes to the runner-up, the guy gardener of the group, and who happens to be another of fall, excuse me. <clears throat> and this guy's name is Dob Zagil. And Zagil is more than happy to accept accept this ring. Uh there's a there's a he basically gets a crash course on how to use the ring, its strengths, its weaknesses, etc. And then he is left with the responsibility to 
uh, protect F Fluvia. And as as he begins, you know, as he begins to do his Green Lantern thing, you know, at first he figured it's more or less. I think he kind of assumed this was going to be like a cakewalk because he figured with his power, you know, he's going to he's basically going to clean up this town really easily. But he finds out that you know something that something that what's his face? Now I forget his name again. The first guy. Uh... Let me go back. Uh, I should write this down just so I don't do this again. Lynn. Lynn. Uh, on the fly, I'm writing this one down, so at least I don't. So, Lynn. So, basically, Lynn had found this out a long time ago, that uh, pretty much that being a hero can be a, can pretty much be a, a frustrating business. So, Dobb kind of, you know, his enthusiasm for the job kind of waned relatively quickly, and the, and the frustration started setting in, because no matter how hard he tried, basically, you know, he just couldn't wipe out crime altogether, based on the, at least his current approach. So then he kind of realized that uh, that maybe he should be taking a di maybe he, sh he should take a different approach. So as as the, you know the narration is is by Lynn, and he kind of says you know maybe the Dob kind of re realized his problem you know lack of dedication <laughs> really wasn't the issue. Then he became too dedicated, and he kind of realized you know in his opinion the way to stop the crime was to hit criminals where it lives, and since the Olav you know the have not group of this planet were the ones responsible for most of the criminals he pretty much decided to more or less like run them <laughs> run them out of town if you will or run them as far away from you know you know just away from the better element if you will of the planet so he more or less he kind of like he essentially disenfranchised everybody who from the Olav whether regardless of whether they were you know law abiding citizens or not you know he he really didn't care, and of course, his first attempt was he was planning on killing them all with his ring, and that's when he kind of found out that the ring couldn't do that. So then he kind of just like, essentially, a reign of terror, as it's described, kind of took place, where he basically just targeted in the Olav, just to, uh, just to, in his attempt to try to right the wrongs, almost like in a, again, like in a parallax kind of moment here, uh, uh, looking at the big picture from his point of view the the the, the fall were you know were the ones who were respectable and they needed to be protected and it didn't really matter if there were some respectable alavs it's kind of like the whole breaking and you know to make an omelet you got to break a few eggs so he just made the decision this was the best you know this was the best way to go about it uh, of course you know while you know the while the the alav pretty much were you know they feared him tremendously the other group the that the have the fall pretty much started feeling super safe and, and, and embraced him as the hero and of course he just that's in a way that just kind of fed his activity in, you know in inequality driven as it was that's kind of what drove what drove him uh, at this short at this point pretty much Lynn kind of you know he didn't, nobody really knew what he was doing other you know to the, to the to the have nots until and eventually Lynn found out and Lynn kind of like confronted him saying that, you know, you're really, you're pretty much abusing your power, you know what to do, you know, you call this justice, I call it oppression, and of course they get, they start having a big, a big fight, uh, Lynn kind of doesn't think, you know, Lynn kind of knows he's really outmatched by this, you know, because of the power ring, that it's probably a fight that he can't win, but he eventually, he essentially out, you know, he essentially outthinks Dobb, and he kind of leads him back into his, his, uh, his lab, where he, he kind of stored a great deal of energy, you know, for his experiments. He was hoping to get turned against Zogal, and you know, kind of lo long story short, you know, it, it kind of it kind of explodes. Uh, it it 
incapacitates Da, but in the process, it also takes away Lin's powers. It's kind of like, kind of like how, how, how on the TV shows you get hit in the head and you get amnesia, then you get hit in the head and, <laughs> and you're back to normal. That's kind of what it's like. So basically, the experiment being duplicated in a way, essentially a second time, takes away Lin's powers. But since Dobb is basically unconscious, he goes over and he takes the Green Lantern ring off his finger because – not just because, you know, he was using it, you know, to instill tyranny, but also because essentially he was chosen, you know, the first time. He really was the chosen one. So at this point, uh, basically, Lynn becomes the Green Lantern of this planet, and he actually does, you know, he does what should have been done the, for all along, and you know, he writes the wrongs, and now we have a real Green Lantern, not a – power hungry one the end <laughs> uh i mean it was it was okay i just did uh, the art wasn't really for me though the i don't want to say the art was bad because i don't think it was i just don't think it this the aliens design and combined with the the art style just wasn't for me The hardest part for me was like as as we could tell as i'm going through the story even though i just read this not that long ago it's just the fact that Remembering the two different names, you know, of the haves and the have-nots, you know, the two different names of the, the two, the, well, they're basically the same species, but it's, but the two, you know, race, the races of people, and you know the, it was, but I didn't think the art, considering the kind of maybe because it was underwater and everything, I didn't think it, it didn't, you know, it didn't really bother me so much. It was to me, it's you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple story. It's, it's you know, writing the. It's the whole idea of the power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, essentially something we've kind of seen before and we would see again considering this is certainly clearly before, you know, pre-Emerald Twilight. It was kind of a good story. Uh, it's, I don't know if there's that much, you know, there's that much really to talk about, but it was, but it was an, it was an, it was an interesting read again and maybe trying to tell, maybe trying to send a not so subtle message too that don't be so quick to turn stuff down, you know, without really, <laughs> think right, without really running through and thinking about what it means or what the you know what the consequences are pro and con because at the end of the day if he had just taken the ring it would have been so much better for the entire planet let alone himself so but you see the appearance of uh, Sebastian from Little Mermaid uh where what page when he's uh flying through the people and it says uh and though he didn't kill anyone, he made many of his victims wish he had. Page 12. Page 12. Okay, that'll make it easier. The top left-hand panel. Yes. Yes, there he is. Sebastian. Subtle. Yeah. Real nice. subtle. <laughs> are these supposed to be, like, airplanes or something on the next page? Like, what are these? Are they, are they little ships, or are those supposed to be creatures, or what? On page, what, 13? Yeah, those little red things. I think they're, I, that's a good question. I think they're just supposed to be creatures, because it looks like they have teeth. Yeah, but they, they're... I know, they're, they're, they're very, they're very, very, uh, angular, I guess that's yeah. the best way to describe it. Very but, geometrical. But, um, but I don't know what, where else, what else they would be, because they're certainly not constructs. Um, yeah, I just, I guess the design of the aliens was just bothering me. They just got a lot going on. That is true. I mean, when you really think about, from even, if, yeah, from an art point of view, there's actually a lot going on on, like, almost every page. So that's, uh, so that was a good catch with Sebastian, because that's 
probably one of the reasons I didn't notice it. <laughs> Plus, I'm not exactly looking. I wasn't exactly looking for that kind of, for a, an Easter egg there, but but there really but there really are a lot of things in there. I mean, it's very uh, it is busy. I don't necessarily. I mean, I I don't busy is usually is a negative connotation. So I'm not. I don't necessarily mean that it's too much, but it, but there's certainly but there's certainly a lot to look at in almost every single panel. It's it's not. It's some clutter certainly in at least certain panels. Do you think he like the 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 woman he's holding before he goes crazy? Uh, do you think that's someone's close to him, or that's just you know a citizen that he just you know he realized in that moment he was fighting a losing battle? Because it doesn't say she's anyone. Right. Else. So I took it as a as it wasn't. Um, I guess you could try to make the case because of the coloring of the panel. Maybe it, it implies that it's somebody, but I think. See, it's kind of a catch-22 because 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 Lynn is the narrator, not not you know this not Dob, not this Green Lantern, that he wouldn't necessarily you know he's kind of telling it like you know you know like secondhand now, so he's just basically almost like putting some of the pieces together. Unless the ring told him, that could be what it is too. After once he put the ring on his finger, maybe the ring kind of filled him in on everything, and then then it would be an accurate repre- representation of everything that went down. So, uh, but if not, he's he's, got, he's just kind of like I guess just putting the pieces together as best he could without any specifics. So I don't necessarily think it's supposed to be. I think it's just, I mean, I'm just trying to, I mean, it could be. I mean, especially if you, since we assume the the bottom two panels of that page are the same girl, right? Yeah. It could be some, it could be somebody close to him. Um, But there's no, but there's nothing in, but there's nothing in the story other than the fact that he, you know, he seems to have a, seems to have this rage on that there's other than that there's nothing to indicate that that was somebody extraordinarily uh close close to him so i don't know but all right well anything else no i think we're good there all right on to alan scott's story which is called old friends uh alan scott created by bill finger and martin odell duh um roger stern is the writer dusty abel is the penciler Mark McKenna is the inker, Bob Lapin letter, and Matt Webb is the colorist. Um, we open up, I'm assuming Gotham, because that's where, yeah, whatever. Um, Alan and uh, Miss Maine Scott, uh, are, uh, which is Molly, um, are in a closed conference meeting. Uh, someone's trying to contact them, but... They're, they're in a meeting, but the meeting is actually a ring-generated conference with Doiby Dickles, <laughs> who is uh, who is back on uh, the planet Moig. Uh, we really need somebody to like be our go-to Doiby Dickles voice. Um, back on the planet Moig, uh, which she's now the king of. <laughs> God comics um <laughs> Can I, and, it just tells you what what that what that world is like <laughs> uh we'll see more of that here in just a yeah second. i know but still. <laughs> lots of recap here kind of uh you know talking about how everything's safe and sound um uh over there you know then hector hammond last issue making us think you had died and you know this whole thing he's thinking to himself but anyways Downstairs in the lobby, Jay Garrick is trying to get in to see Alan. 
Um, he can't, he's not allowed in. So he says, this can't wait. And then off he goes because Jay Garrick is the flash. Um, and, uh, he is speeding up the side of the, of the, uh, building right as Alan and Molly are finishing their conversation. Um, Jay comes phasing through the window, uh, greets each, uh, greets him and says, uh, this is a duty call. I'm sorry to say, I hope you have your work clothes handy. Molly, you may want to suit up as well, I think. Uh, so they all suit up, uh, while we were stuck with the JSA in that other world, we lost an old friend back in Gotham. So I don't know where this place is. I'm guessing New York, maybe. Maybe. Um, just based on what they say later on about Moig. Um, but, um, so back in Gotham, they are gathered around the, um, the gravestone of Dinah Lance. Um, this is Black Canary has died. So we see Hawkman, Hawk Girl, Alan, Molly as Harlequin, um, Starman, I'm assuming, and Jay Garrick. Um, she's buried next to her husband, Lawrence S. Lance. Um, everybody's just kind of recapping their personal history with, with, uh, with her, uh, including Molly. Um, you know, Molly says, when I was still posing as a criminal, working undercover, she saw what I was up to. After all, she'd done much the same thing. Together, we helped put an end to the Injustice Society's patriotic crimes. Um, so everybody's just kind of reminiscing uh, about their times with, uh, with Dinah Lance. Um, Alan and, uh, and Molly stay behind and, you know, after the conversation with Doiby earlier in, you know, this new reveal about, you know, Dinah's gone, you know, you really, you really need to kind of appreciate the people in your life and don't put off seeing them and interacting with them, which is, I mean, basically, um, so that kind of inspires them. So rather than saying, you know, we'll, we'll visit you, you know, soon, Doiby, they actually, you know, decide to actually do it. So Alan scoops Molly up and they off they go flying off of planet Earth, which is um, Molly's first time out in space. So that's actually a pretty cool panel. Um, Alan goes through hyperspace and boom, they are out outside of the planet Moig. Uh, now there's a whole lot of text bubbles in this whole thing and a whole lot of nonsense that happens. So nothing really pivotal to the story. Moig has its own, obviously alien architectural design, but because, uh, Doiby is now king of Moig, um, he has added his own little, uh, architectural flair. Uh, the, um, there are several buildings, ripped straight out of Gotham um, and New York in places. For instance, the Gotham Hilton. Um, they show up. Um, Alan says, you know, we don't want a big fuss while we're here, and Doiby greets them, and Molly, and then they see Goitrude, uh, Goitrude 2, <laughs> which is Doiby's taxi, because the original one is getting an overhaul, so it's all spacey and taxi-ly and whatever. They're catching up. Um, uh, he says, um, uh, Alan says to Doiby that Morg has changed a lot since my last visit, Doiby. Prince Peril would hardly recognize it. Uh, that is from the issue, God, um, 
Alan and Hal first crossed over in Green Lantern 40. So I think Prince Peril's power play, which was, the, I think, the... I don't know if it was the second crossover between the two Golden and Silver Age characters in Green Lantern, but I, it was definitely the second cover appearance crossover between the two, which makes me think it was the second overall. Um, that's probably... I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, that's probably Green Lantern 45 or 46, maybe in the early 50s, somewhere around there. So that, But the name of the story was Prince Peril's Power Play. Uh, and Toby says, funny you should mention him, Alan. After uh, uh, used lanterns uh, settled his hash, he went straight, more or less. As a matter of fact, he's pitching in today's game. So... <laughs> One of the architectural things that uh, Doiby has done on this planet is um, he has recreated Ebbets Field in Brooklyn uh, on the surface of the planet and brought baseball to the, to the place. Uh, and Prince Peril is no longer a bad guy, mostly. He's the pitcher for uh, one of the teams. Um, he loses his cool, starts hitting umpires and getting in fights, and then Alan has to fly onto a baseball field and attack a depowered villain uh, with his power ring while the villain is using baseball bats and words. So, great. Um, then his teammates chide him after Alan is victorious. Apparently, you'd better hang your head in shame. You're a disgrace to the entire Dodger organization. <laughs> How many times do we got to tell you, kill the umpire is just an expression? So uh, uh, they leave, um, they go back to uh, the city where Doiby has another surprise. He has recreated the Gotham Broadcasting Center. Brick for brick, architecturally layout, which I think is kind of bullshit because there's no way Doiby remembers all of these details enough to give a floor-by-floor recreation of this freaking building to an architect, but whatever. Um Maybe they can they hook his mind up to something maybe and they, they just pull it out. Comics. Um, so <laughs> this guy, uh, they're they're doing their broadcast. The guy that's doing the broadcast evidently sounds and looks a little like FDR. Doiby says he's the best announcer I ever come across, but if you think he's something, wait till you see our Burns and Allen. <sighs> uh they comment on the details and then Doiby says uh, it takes him, takes him upstairs to Alan Scott's office Alan Scott's office, this is on Moig, yes, that's right uh, Alan is being offered um, the chance to be president of Gotham Broadcasting Corporate, uh, the Gotham Broadcasting Center on Moig and Molly can stay on as a station manager, too. But we don't have to have an answer right this minute. So think it over. So they talk as husband and wife, and they just uh, they decide, you know, it's everything's great here, and it's lovely, and we'd, we'd love to visit, and all the intentions are great, but it just doesn't feel like home. Um, so they just kind of are enjoying their time. They're going to... Dance the night away together. And that's about it. The end. Or not the end. Uh, there, there really wasn't much here. Like, the, it was... 
definitely a buffer story. Kind of? I mean, I don't know. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, I guess there are some interesting things just about whenever you kind of have like a duplicate world that kind of has remnants or flashes of thing, of a world you know, but in a different way and in a different environment. It it, it can be, you know, it, that kind of makes it somewhat interesting onto itself, but, you know, that, uh, it, yeah, it, it's certainly, it's something that wasn't like it's one of Alan Scott's greatest adventures. <laughs> no, for sure. It's and not... I know my, I know, I know my review was pretty lackluster, but really, guys, there wasn't a whole hell of a lot going on. So. And you're on allergy meds, Chad. <laughs> That's true. I'm on allergy meds for the next like four or five months. Yeah. So, um, I like the art. I mean, but I mean, it's pretty consistent with these Alan Scott stories. There are a couple of spots where it looks a little weird or wonky, but like the splash with all the uh, the JSA uh, characters looking at the 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 tombstone and some of the other close-ups of some of their faces, and definitely the panel where uh, Molly and Alan are flying through space. That looks pretty good. Uh, Prince Peril, there was really no reason to bring him back. It's kind of ridiculous, but whatever. Old home week. That just continues the uh, pattern. Yeah. Um, and Doi be looking like Fred Mertz. Yeah, I guess. A little bit, except except for the, the Derby. No, but they're definitely uh, it's it's definitely pretty. It's it's. It's a good character piece, and we're constantly we're constantly complaining that you know there's not enough of this kind of stuff in the the current comics. So I'm not really upset about this, but you know if I was reading this as it came out, and the reason I was reading it is for the Alan Scott stories, I might be a little upset about this. I can definitely I can see that. On that on that level, yes, it, you would it would definitely have that that filler kind of vibe if if that's what you were you know if you were buying it fresh off the rack and that's what you were expecting uh, ex- ex- looking forward to the most. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we should be saying more about it. But is there anything else you want to say about this one? I like the colors. Yeah, the colors are nice. They're yeah. pretty. They're they're pretty crisp. Mm-hmm. La, la, Lots of yellows, lots of greens, um, yes. lots of re- yeah, lots of reds. So it, it all it's it's a pretty it's a pretty crisp issue overall. And it, like you said, it is it is a good characters piece, especially if, uh, between but Alan and Molly. Mm-hmm. I think that I think there are a lot of good moments between between them in here. So yeah, for sure. All right. Deal with it. Do it. Oh God! Yet another great Nort story. Affectionately, and this, and this one, of course, is Norton but trouble. <laughs> oh God! Writers Jeff Bailey and but E Marty Golia. Pencilers Joe James. Inker Hey Barbara Kalberg. Letterer once again Albert de Guzman and Anthony Tallon is the color color colorist on this one as well. So we have Nort flying, so seemingly in a heroic pose, saying, you know, greatness and glory sometimes is thrust upon you, and, and, and others have to chase it. And 
and that makes more sense in a few minutes because we find we see that for some stupid reason he's flying around chasing airplanes like I guess normal dogs chase cars, and he's so he's like biting the tails of airplanes, which of course is really not not really appreciated. So these planes just basically like shake him off, and he ends up falling into a, a little into a little puddle. It's more like a puddle than a lake, but let's just say it's let's let's just say it's a. Let's just say it's like a creek or something, you know, and and he, and he gets out, and he gets out. Of course, he creates a nice touch. He creates an energy constructed hair dryer, and he starts and he starts blow drying himself, which is kind of funny when he when he mentions that he like he hates like he hates the like, like the wet smell of himself, of dog. <laughs> that 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 part in general, you know, that part in general is is, is a nice touch, and it, he finds that he finds that he's at Littleville where. Uh, a town where crime takes a holiday. So for some strange reason, Nort thinks, you know, because he's of his association with the Justice League and because of he's a Green Lantern, that he's going to be he's going to be greeted as, as like this conquering hero, and people are going to want his autographs. And pretty much everybody completely ignores him. Uh, he, you know, as he goes, up, you know, but he, as he's thinking thinking all this stuff is like. Uh, yeah, nothing ever exciting would ha- you know, it doesn't look like anything exciting ever happens in this town. And he goes, but of course I could be wrong, and I usually am. Just as this, this like this car comes screeching up to the corner of Littleville Savings Loan, and of course this really lame villain called the Fisherman comes out. <laughs> I like his little harpoon gun. Oh, I guess that. Yeah, yeah, his little his little do rag there almost. Uh, so the these two supervillains are Strobe and Fisherman. <laughs> And of course, something seems a little off right away because as soon as they pop out of the car, it's like people are going "boo, hiss." But of course, you know it's Nort, so he would never figure out anything out of the ordinary. Uh, so Fisherman kicks open the door of the savings and loan, and everybody's like instantaneously putting their arms up, like as they're holding balloons or whatever. So I think that's kind of like another <laughs> giveaway. Uh, you know, one of the you know the the tellers at the bank is like, "Oh, Mr. Fisherman, please take our take the money. Don't hurt me." And it's like, "You're pathetic." Goes, I should take a hostage. You know, that's probably a good thing to do. Take a hostage. And all these people are, and this old woman is like, "Oh, take! I'll be your hostage, Mr. Fisherman." <laughs> it's like, "Wait, Alice, let me get a picture." So uh, Fisherman takes takes the old lady as, as a hostage, and at this moment, uh, or she, he's trying to take basically the hostage, and and Everybody's encased in green, and then we find we see Nort basically fly, flying into the bank, you know, to to confront the fisherman. And I kind of like this part too. And he goes, uh, "Let let me put you where I usually wind up, which is the doghouse." <laughs> so he creates this big energy constructed doghouse to put the fisherman and the hostage in. And of course, the fisherman takes advantage of the opportunity to uh, harpoon basically the water pipe above, in in the ceilings of the savings and loan, which pours directly onto. Onto uh, Nort, which is actually where he makes the smell of me comment, but uh, that he hates the smell of me wet. <laughs> so Fisherman and Strobe get in, you know, get get into uh, get into their getaway car, and he yells to Strobe, "Start the car! I got some loon that actually is trying to stop me." Uh, another dead, you know, another giveaway. Uh, Nort comes flying out, and he, and he and he and he's in pursuit. He grabs onto the bumper of the car, and of course, he just rips the bumper off. Uh, Nort's kind of like trying to be funny. He's like, you know, I knew I always could have been a retriever. And a couple of police officers go, go to Nort. It's like, could you come down here, Mr. Lantern? And you go, 
and Nort once again thinks he's going to get uh, he's going to be thanked for all this, and, you know, it goes, yes, I'm just doing my duty, and it's like, uh, oh, I'm not thanking you, I'm arresting you. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? It's like, uh, it's like, public interference, get the cuffs! Uh, so Nord, again, Nord was ex- expecting praise, and the police are about to offer, you know, to arrest him, and he's not quite sure why. It's like, ah, oh, you know, public interference, cuff him! And of course, Nord's like, hey, you know, I don't, I don't have time for this. A lantern's got, a lantern's got to do what a lantern's got to do. And the cops are like, you know, what are we going to do with this guy? And it's like, uh, eh, don't worry. Just, just stay with him. You know, maybe he won't find them. And he goes, then again, even he may not be that dumb because, of course, as Nort's, Nort's in hot pursuit, there's this big sign on the road that says, two crooks hide out. So now we get to the Lawless Lair. That's kind of a nice, you know, get alliteration working well there. And Strobe shows up along with uh, Fisherman. And now we see, uh, you know, tar- uh, what? Tyranno there is is their leader, and you know, uh, Fisherman's like, okay, hey you, hey Lamplighter, and another one of these great villains is like, didn't you fight Green Lantern once? It's like, yeah, but I lost. It's like, what about Strobe? He's wearing yellow. Let him. And it's like, uh, Strobe's like, he's coming. And of course, Nort, you know, Nort shows up, and you know, you have half this group of supervillains that are like, or more than half actually, that are petrified, that are trying to get out of Dodge, and you know, you know, you have. You know, you have Lamplighter who basically tries to engage Nort, but 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 thanks to Nort, his staff gets wet and, and it and it shorts out, and uh, <clears throat> the bad guys are trying to flee and they're taking Tyranno with them. And it's like, no, I must do battle. And Nort's just, I got three words for you guys: obedience training. And those are the three kind of like the the lemming villains, if you will, that all have animal heads. And it's like, oh, you know. Strobe is like, okay, Lantern, you're powerless against yellow, and I'm covered from head to toe in yellow. And actually, a pretty clever moment by Nord. It's like, not your jaw, and he and he smashes him in the jaw with like a couple of constructed dog bones, which is, oh, that Nord. So Torano, whose real name is Baron Torano, which doesn't make you know doesn't really make it much better. He goes, uh, I was like, Nord doesn't know who he is. And like, who are you? And that's when he says, I'm Baron Tarano, trapped in an iron lung. My great mind allows me to venture forth in powerful replicas that can destroy you. What do you think of that, Lantern? And Nord's like, I think all you need is to be loved. And, <laughs> and Tarano just looks at him for a few seconds, and then he starts breaking down. He's like, you're right, I don't want to be bad. I can't help myself. And, uh... You know, Nort's you know Nort's trying to comfort him, and then the old the woman who was the hostage, and you know, of course Nort thinks he's going to be thanked again. Of course, taking advantage of the fact that he's a dog and she's got a newspaper, she smacks him in the face, not just the nose, the face. It's like you ruined my whole vacation. And of course, Nort now is back with the police after this is all over with. With I like the big bandage on his nose. That's 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 kind of cool. So obviously, the tip of his nose took the brunt when she smacked him in the face. So basically, we find out at this point that this whole town, basically, the recession hit this town super hard, and essentially, uh, once the you know once the bank got robbed once, you know everybody was like, hey, that was great, it was the most exciting thing that ever happened. So pretty much, they created a, a not a, a faux bank that would get robbed by faux criminals all the time, and they would basically be put into uh, they would get a cut of the action. So basically, it was like a, a tourist trap kind of thing. And and that pretty much is you know was is the the big reveal in the story and at the end of the day that's uh, that's pretty much the end that's pretty much the most relevant part of the story. <laughs> God, ridiculous. And the saddest part is it's not the it's not the worst Nort story I think we've gotten so far in, in the quarterlies. 
Ah, <sighs> freaking Nord. Yes. Uh, I just... Uh, Lamplighter, I feel like I should know him from something, or I remember him from something, but I don't remember the exact story. I wanted to do some research, and then I realized I was researching a Nord story and decided against it. So, nope. <laughs> no, um... What's his nut? Looks kind of like Goldface. Oh, yeah. Uh, Strobe. Yeah. Um, Fisherman. I don't know. Is that an old Aquaman villain? I'm assuming so. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, let's see. Let's see if I can mm. find Lamp later. Nort chasing down planes was... Just, God. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, we know, like I said, we know kind of why the, he does it because of the fact that he's, you know, he, he's a dog, and since he can't, ch- you know, since he he can fly instead of chasing cars, he chases planes. But, but it's still stupid. Okay, here's here's Lamplighter. Uh, Doctor Lee Carver was a nuclear researcher seeking a way of altering the molecular structure of matter. He worked on a way to stabilize the transmutation. Tragedy, of course, struck when his experiment blew up in his face. Carver lived, but he was blinded. The combination of chemicals and the high-frequency waves he was bombarding them with resulted in a new kind of light. The chemical somehow affected his damaged optic nerves, permitting a more intense light to reach them, allowing the blind man to see. That's not from... That was from Green Lantern, Volume 2, 1968, I guess, was his first appearance. So the Silver Age. Yep, he was listed under the Hal Jordan villains, so... Hmm. How how sad going from a from being a villain of Hal Jordan to being a villain of Nort. <laughs> uh, Tyranno, I don't know who he is, but okay. Um, and do these other ones ever even get a name? No, the ones with the animal heads. I don't think I don't think they ever get a name. Hmm. Next, the Justice League versus the supervillains. Yeah, I wasn't. All right, let's see, Baron. I got Baron Taranos too here. Um, see if it's worth reading. It doesn't really look like it is. Um, let's see if I can get his. If I can get his first appearance, though, it might be nice. Uh, it's a, it's another Hal Jordan villain, though. I can I can tell, I can tell that. Uh, actually, it's interesting. Oh, no, okay, that's. Now it makes more sense. First appearance, Green Lantern number 54, Menace in the Iron Lung. Oh, yeah, that one. So, which makes sense because he did mention his iron, his iron lung aspect of his super, of his persona. So so pretty much, I, I guess we can say at this point, they're pretty much probably all going to be Hal Jordan villains. Um, I don't know if Strobe was anybody. Hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> But yes, it appears they're all Hal Jordan villains. Nah, there's that one guy that controls magnetism when they're doing the flashback of when the bank first got robbed. Yeah, this... I think he was in the Justice League animated series for a little bit. There's a strobe on Earth One. That's a Batman villain. Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, so needless to say. <clears throat> 
it was not the, right. it was not the worst Nort story we've ever gotten, and that pretty much sums up some of the quality of the Nort stories. <laughs> All right, so the final one. Yes. All right, whatever happened <clears throat> to Charlie Vicker? Okay, so we open on this planet, which is named. Um. Oh God. Uh. Huagaga. Huagaga. Uh, okay. Yeah, go that's with Huagaga. Yeah, gonna... just go with Huagaga. Leave out the H. Yeah, that's that's the only time I'm gonna say that. Um. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. Uh, we open on this planet where someone is putting up a sign for a rendition of Macbeth. Um, the Skyman is coming here, and uh, the Macbeth is being performed, of course, with this planet's own little kind of spin on it. Uh, Charlie Vicker is in the starring role, of course, and then some young ones in the back or towards the back don't know who the hell Charlie uh uh, Vicar, like, why is he here? How did he get here? Because obviously Charlie looks a whole lot different than the other aliens. So then we get the story of Charlie Vicker. He was an actor um, who played uh, Green Lantern, but because he uh, was a famous actor, he kind of got uh, well-known for a drunken cavorting, as they call it. Uh, so his brother would fill in from him for t- from time to time. Well, one of the times, uh, a criminal from another world sought to kill Green Lantern, and because you know Green Lantern was being played by Charlie Vickers' brother at that particular moment, uh, Charlie's brother was killed instead. Uh, Charlie found the original Green Lantern, Hal, um, and asked to help hunting down his brother's killer. He did. He proved himself, and uh, that made all the lanterns, you know, like him. This was in Green Lantern fifty-five and fifty-six. It says, uh, and he vowed to prove himself a hero. He was given a ring, and he was given this own little sector that included this planet. It says that he grew lonely. Uh, he flew out over our world, but never sought to speak to us, for we looked strange and primitive to him. All the creatures under his protection seemed too strange for Charlie. He felt that he could never find community among them. He sought creatures like himself and found none. He doubted his decision to serve the Green Lanterns. Um, Then these uh, Tebans come, this invading force comes to kind of enslave, basically enslave uh, this this race for supplies. Um, And, you know, start slaughtering a bunch of them and stuff like that. Well, Charlie comes and takes pity on these people and kind of is upset with himself for not dealing with this sooner. Um, And but then he is uh, the ring calls to him during all this and says uh, that the trial of being of Sinestro uh, was uh, bringing uh, Green Lantern to the meeting place. And Charlie ignored the call. He remained with them to fight. But those affairs from afar would not be ignored, for something destroyed the lantern that filled all the rings with magic, and his ring wouldn't work. So in the midst of battle, his ring stops working. He takes off. One of the uh, the natives tries to uh, thinks he should kill him, and then the other one uh, another one pipes up, and the one who's the one telling the story at this moment. 
Uh, but in the past, pipes up and says that he saw him fighting the 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 Tegans, um, and that you know why 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 don't you fight any longer? Uh, you know because I have nothing left to fight with. He says, uh, but there must be something you do. You have the wisdom of the sky, people. Um, all I can do is act. So they don't have a word for act; they just have a word for pretend. So he says. Uh, you know, he, he realized then that we knew nothing of dramas. We knew nothing of how the power of a great story can remake a people. So he taught us the dramas he knew. He taught us Henry V and Prometheus Bound, Brand by Ibsen and, and El Fin de Mundo by Valdez, The Crucible and The Cradle Rock. He taught us dramas of, str- of resistance and of strength in the face of greater power of pride and of sacrifice. He taught us to play those roles, to live the, to, and through the playing to live those roles. Uh, so this kind of, you know, reinvigorates the spirit of these people and they have been ended up killing, uh, and, uh, fighting off their invaders. And now of course, you know, just, uh, Charlie now teaches us peace uh, to make peace as well as war and like Macbeth to learn the lessons of violence. And he has learned too. He's learned that there are all kinds of heroes and all kinds of community. And that's the end of that story. Uh, and then we cut back to the campfire with Kilowog and Boudica and all the others. Um, they're picking their favorites. And then obviously Boudica and everybody gets in an argument about that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Amanita, I believe. I can't remember yeah. the name. Yeah, Amanita. Yeah. Amanita. Throughout every, all five panels, it says, Can you tell them again slowly? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. <laughs> and to see just how these poosers do work out, watch for Green Lantern 35 coming next month. And for new tales of the core. More of the history of Sector 2814 and the further adventures of Alan Scott and Nort. Be back here in another quarter of a year. And that's the end of the issue. I gotta nice. say, these, these, uh, these, uh, native creatures here got pretty brutal. Not only did they fight these, uh, invaders off, they decapitated and put their heads on pikes. Yeah, they did the Vlad the Impaler thing. Jesus. Good for them. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> uh, what'd you think? I liked the story. I thought it was, I, I always, I, I kind of gravitate towards stories like that with, the, you know, the, I don't like when you see the, you know, when the, a, a native, and it doesn't have to even be primitive. It's just the fact that basically people or things that are peace loving and are innocent that are just getting, you know, taken advantage of and destroyed and things like that. That, that tends to bother me across the board. So when you get a story like this where basically, you know, they, they fight back and, and they win, it's kind of, you know, again, a classic story. So I, I, so that, that kind of appealed to me. So I, so I, so I liked it and I, and I thought the art was pretty good. So it's a pretty good oh. story. Yeah, I didn't say. Gerard Jones is the writer. Tim Hamilton is the penciler. Romeo Tangal is the inker. Uh, Albert de Guzman is the letterer. And Steve Madison, Madsen, uh, I guess, is the editor. It doesn't say. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I liked it. The art wasn't too bad. I thought Charlie looked weird, especially in that very last panel. Yeah, he did. Looks, I, well, this could be years later, maybe, so that's why he's kind of looking like a little different. Yeah. Um, did you did you remember the original Charlie Baker story? Not no. I think I think I looked. I went back and did a little a tad of uh, research, um, but I didn't. The name is for this way. The name sounded familiar to me, but I don't think I ever read any stories with him in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely remember Charlie Vicker. I just don't remember the story. Like I, I like if you were to ask me to list off, um, you know, the Green Lanterns of Earth, you know, blind. I'd, I'd tell you, you know, oh, obviously, you know, Hal and John and Kyle and Guy and you know, Alan and stuff like that. But I'd also go. Oh, I think there was that one guy, Charlie something. Like, I know, I I remember him. I just don't don't know if I remember. I I've, I've got two volumes of the Silver Age Green Lantern uh, omnibus, so I have to have this story somewhere in there, um, just because of how big those volumes are. But um, no, I didn't I didn't go back and reread it. But it looks like. Uh, didn't take much to be a Green Lantern at that time, though. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So, no wonder you're all dead, <laughs> and you have to restart the core. Um, no, I just uh, did the Tevens kind of look like Kundians to you. Uh, yeah. There's somebody else. They reminded me. I say yeah. Tevens. Like there's two E's. It's probably Tevens. Yeah, it could be Tevens. Uh, you're right. Yeah, I think. I think. Maybe maybe the Kund is, yeah. That's probably that's probably is the group that they most that they resemble the most. At least they're not hmm. Durlins. Now, and when the ring called to him to tell him that the trial of a being named Sinestro was bringing Green Lantern to their meeting place, Charlie ignored the call. He remained with us to fight on. But those affairs would, from afar, would not be ignored. For something destroyed the lantern that filled all the rings with magic. What? When? What? Where? I mean, I remember this happening, but when was this? What? What? What time out of the billion times this has happened? Did... Would, would that would that have been somewhere after Crisis or something? Would that have been? I mean. I'm trying to get the time frame. Are they referring to when the, you know, when the, when, when, when the Guardians left, like they left the universe before they came back, kind of like before they, before they, right, before, before Volume Millennium? Three started or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get the time frame. That's what I'm thinking. That maybe, maybe before. When was, when was trial Sinestro under trial? Was that after Emerald Dawn or Emerald Dawn Two? I thought it was later on than that. Um, let's see if I can find that. Uh, because it makes it sound like this it was a sequence of events. Emerald, like Sinestro was under trial. Emerald Dawn too. It and appears the battery to be. explodes. Emerald Dawn two. What the what hell? Did. What I remember the stuff with Sinestro, but what the hell happened to the battery? Yeah. God, we are horrible lanternologists. Uh, you know what? I actually have. Actually, I, I think I have Emerald Dawn. I think I have. Emerald no, Dawn I mean I've got I've got my USB plugged in. I can just freaking pull it up. Um, 
Green Lantern, Emerald Dawn 2, number 6. Opening it up right now. The Trial of Sinestro. Okay. Flipping through what's happening to the battery. Nothing yet. Nothing. Not a damn thing. Just not that issue. No. Sinestro is definitely under trial. But nothing happened. Well, maybe they're not necessarily implying that it, it all happened in the, in the same issue, or the same, if just with the chain of events that it happened shortly thereafter, or. Well, what the hell happened? What what happened after this? Let's see. See now I'm all discombobulated. Fuck. Um. Let's see. Emerald Dawn two, number six. The copyright of this is. September of 1991 is the cover date. So, but we don't have the context of how far in the past the story is taking place. I don't think. <clears throat> 1991. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Isn't that when uh, what's his nut went uh, when um, Ali Opsa went nuts? Well, it has to be somewhere. Well, it was it was this. Well, this issue itself was after that because that was in the beginning of the. That was like in the first uh, ten issues or so of Volume Three. I yeah, think. that's true. Well, because I'm looking at number seven and right plus, now. Yeah, and since they're pushing issue thirty-five, which December, is December, so yeah, we're thinking right around issue seventeen rather than seven. Yeah, because so. they're, they're pushing right around the uh, third around. This must be around third law time. Story no, law. fifty. What happened to the fiftieth anniversary? No, that was issue number nineteen. Everybody seems to be doing fine with the land. What the shit? What happened? See, it's going to drive me nuts. Something happened. Clearly. Um, number 28, Powerless. This is September of 92. This is Evil Star on the cover. Um. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, hey, I'm trying to see. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I'm trying to see all the times it was. It was destroyed. Let's see. <sighs> and for those of you listening at home, we're I'm editing out a whole crap ton of pausing while we're researching this, so you guys are hearing it. As we're finding stuff, but the actual this is taking a whole lot. What the? F- oh, hey, I'm Anita. Um, and there's the only thing I could think of is maybe it's related to after after the crisis of infinite earths. Maybe that's the one they're referring to. Um, Guardians decided they needed to move on, which we already knew, to the next plane of existence. To taking the Zamorans, yada yada. They left the central power battery in care of the Green Lantern Corps, who are now free to make their own decisions. When the renegade Green Lantern, known as Sinestro, freed the Mad God Sector 3600, he used his power to destroy countless worlds before he was defeated. Um, brought before Oa, a trial was held which found Sinestro guilty and he was executed. The Green Lanterns were com- completely unaware of the ancient directive the Owens had placed in regard to killing Corgorians. The central power battery then began to reabsorb its energy within the power rings, thus de- depriving the Green Lanterns of their power. 
while it was building. That's got to be it. Well, yes, whilst it was building to an overload that would create a super black hole, yada yada. So pretty what much the hell it was. How was this? This uh, it doesn't. This what I'm looking at isn't giving me an issue, but this was what I kind of suspected was after Crisis of in, Infinite Earths and what led to the uh, when the the new when the Guardians were cutting out uh, before they came back in Volume Three. So. So basically, it must have been after. So I'm in the wrong volume. Well, yeah, it made sense. It made sense to, to look at that one, but yeah, it looks like that's looks like that's what it was. It had to do with uh, Sinestro. Yeah, when they killed when they killed Sinestro, and that's what was that's what essentially caused the central power battery to to be destroyed. At least for so that's that based on time frame is probably the the uh, the event that Charlie is uh caught in the middle of so yeah see i'm actually still looking for an actual issue but whatever which is kind of uh, funny because uh, this this just reminds me of like that first issue with every single page they were referring to another issue of green lantern or mosaic or something else and they couldn't and they couldn't give us a concrete reference to that friggin' thing <laughs> uh, i don't know see i'm looking at issue 200 which we did right yeah we did do and Trying to see if the Guardians were. That was after. Oh, yeah. was, that, was that after Crisis? Two hundred. No, this is issue two hundred is where they leave to go off with Zamorans. Right, but the Sinestro stuff happened after. I don't fucking remember. That's what it's according to what I just read anyway. The, the trial of Sinestro happens after they're gone because, and he gets sentenced. They sentence him to death, I guess, and they just didn't know because the guardians weren't there to tell them that, hey, you can't kill a core guardian or else this is going to happen. So, I don't know. Damn that Charlie Vicker. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just, I give up. Yeah. So you you said it. We just don't know where. Spill. I mean, we know kind of a, a ballpark, but not exactly where this is supposed to have happened. Um, okay, we're not going to read it word for word, but there are some, uh, there's two pages of letter columns in here. Uh, looks like a lot of people really like the Alan Scott stuff. Some people, surprisingly, even like the Nort stuff. Uh, although they, you know, some of them seem to admit, admit to being, uh, off put by Nort several times in the past. Uh, but the big one, the big breakout star is Jack T. Chance. <laughs> That's right, because this is about issue one, which was the introduction of Jack T. Chance. Yeah, they all seem to love Jack. Don't uh, get too attached to him, people. <laughs> That's all we would have to say if we could go back in time. <laughs> Maybe you mentioned something about Lobo and a ring. Yes. Lobo which you brought the, up. Yeah, Lobo with a power ring. Not if Hal has anything to say in that matter, and he does so in Legion 92, number 47. Oi. Which is interesting because Lobo is a nice segue when when you're when we get done with the letter column. Not really a direct segue, but it works. Um, yeah, I still haven't read that yet. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> Green guys, one a power ring is a nifty thing, but can a can it core an apple? <laughs> Number two, should Nord be talking to a girl about sacks? Safe sacks is everybody's concern is is, is the answer to that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> Chef Lantern of the future. That was a good. So at least they're pretty quick with their you know catching the references. Can, can it core apple? 
<laughs> I don't know, Ralph. Get it. <laughs> oh man. A lot of humor in this letter column, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it still doesn't have a name yet, but then again, they used to just let their fans just name it for them. Um, did you see anything else that popped out of you about this? Um, popped out of you. Popped out at you. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> uh, I like the, the the Guardians are a bunch of rim, uh, wimps, though, really. I kind of like that. I like a pretty. I know it's a Captain Obvious, you know, observation because of course the Guardians are wimps, <laughs> <laughs> at least from the point of view of being incapable, being unwilling to act. Then yes. Let's see. Nah, I don't. Another another Lobo reference, you know, I guess related to Jack T. Chance. Um. Um. But no. Hmm. Next issue, we're definitely getting some women in lingerie. Um, Alan is going to go up against Grundy. Um, what else? Jade makes an appearance, so there's that. Uh, Nort shows up and fights of all goddamn people. Eclipso. Uh, then we meet Nort's family. So, yay. Um... And not, not, not all of them, because we don't meet Lord Fleas yet. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we get a crazy-ass story uh, about a housewife with a Green Lantern ring. Um, and, oh, we finally get a title for the, um, for the uh, thing. The, the letters the letters column. column quarter notes or three fourths of quarter notes I don't freaking know yeah uh so yeah look forward to that that looks ridiculous uh, I'm sorry I was going ahead guys all right so anything else you want to say about this issue Mark before we move on or anything else you want to say before we close out the episode there's something I want to say before we close out the episode but there's nothing <laughs> there's there's absolutely there's nothing I really need to say about this issue more than you know more than we have i think it's as, as we've seen with a lot of these a lot of these quarterlies i mean some of them are it's just hit or miss i mean sometimes they're a good story sometimes they're so-so stories uh and unfortunately this is one of those yeah this not, is a fairly yeah there's not much there's really there's really not much to write home about in you know in this one so it's well, the cover of the next issue looks cool. Uh, the cover looks cool. Um, God, I don't remember much about that one. So, all right. Well, what do you what do you want to say before we wrap up this uh, this issue uh, or this episode? I want to talk about I, only because I, when we do the actual uh, next issue review episode it's going to be long to begin with because we have a lot of books to go over i wanted to talk about lost army i wanted to talk about the Phantom, oh yeah since it is relative since it is green which most people at this point will know about but it is something that certainly has happened since which is kind of ironic because as i was listening to the last episode that we did the fact that talking about 
how we were talking about how you know this this whole concept really couldn't go on for you know very long just ideally even to get the resolution and of course now we find out that <laughs> we're not even going to get resolution <laughs> that the for for those who don't know of course that what issue 6 is going to be the last issue of green lantern the lost army which uh i know you there was spec- speculation as chad mentioned when he and i were talking and i guess the skull abutted at you know, at uh, Comic Con, the the one, the Austin one, right? That you were at. Uh, San Antonio. San Antonio. I almost said San Antonio too. Damn it. Uh, that uh, the idea that th- there was some talk that it was going to be either a mini, and it probably should have been a mini to begin with. They should have just said that it was going to be like a ten issue series or a twelve issue series. Uh, but the mere fact that I don't know, it really, it kind of really bothers me that this that were this book is getting the you know the the rug pulled out from underneath it the way it, it has. And it certainly seems, and we don't know, of course, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So we don't know if, you know, Cullen Bunn had a little more insight about that this was happening before it was really announced. I don't mean like he, I'm sure he had some clearly, but I mean, I'm not sure if he knew for a while, even before, like, like a month or so before any, or two months before we did that, you know, before it leaked out that this, that they were doing this. So he and, DC sat down and said, you know, we think we can, there's a better way to resolve the storyline in a different format than what's going on. But either way, it doesn't make a lot of sense that the DC signed off on the concept clearly of this series to spin out of, you know, Convergence, that this was going to basically be their new, their version of the Green Lantern Corps book, uh, at least how it was going to start out. And to go, and to do that, and to know what the concept of this book was, which seemingly, like we discussed before, was a relatively finite concept to begin with, but then not to give them, not to give Colin Bunn, who is like their go-to guy right now, he's writing almost, every, he's writing so many damn books. I mean, you really think about it. I don't know in the hierarchy of Green Lantern writers if Robert Venditti technically is still above him, as in calling the shots or the directions for whatever you can call the Green Lantern family right now of books, which isn't much of one. But Colin Bunn is pretty much writing almost all the books. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's writing Sinestro. He what? He is writing Lost Army till it goes under. And at least short term, Lobo is uh, essentially become a Lantern book light. So, which we'll go, which we'll talk about Lobo once we get into, once we do the next issue episode. But the idea that they wouldn't at least give him like a, a whole like twelve issues to do what he needed to do. I mean, friggin' Larfley's got twelve issues. That something about that doesn't seem right, and it also, I think, speaks volumes to how piss poor right now on a value scale and that the Green Lantern brand is pretty much amongst DC. Because <laughs> this, this is the Green Lantern core. This is pretty much the Green Lantern core book, which ever since the first launch after Rebirth has been a very important title to DC and has always been there in some way, shape, or form. And to reboot it the way it did, and know kind of almost by the inception that this storyline could only go for maybe like a, a 12 issues before you had to do something else with it, but not allow them to even resolve this issue and just leave it hanging, which is by all indications that's what's going to happen in the short term. I'm right, clearly we're going to get a resolution at some point because you can't just leave them out there or who sent them there sent them there and not answer those questions. But it's like. Something just doesn't seem right about that, you know? Yeah. Um, at Alamo City Comic Con, I was talking with Brett Bruth and Andrew Dahlhouse. And this is probably what, Mark? This was probably definitely not a week, but probably, what, what three three or four days before it was actually announced? 
at, um, it must, it might have been even less than that. Because remember, I said to you, I, you, yes, you probably heard, you probably got that, you probably heard whatever you heard at uh, San Antonio three or four days before you and I talked about it. Because I talked, we talked about it once. I noted, I looked at the solicits. Was it for December or whatever, and realized or whatever that, or that there was no Green, <laughs> Green Lantern Lost Army listed, and that's when you mentioned that you you had heard what you had heard. But yeah, my, I think it was only a couple of days. I think it was only a couple of days from from that weekend of the of the of the con. Yeah, Brett Booth and Andrew Dollhouse were telling me that they thought it was a miniseries or something like that. Uh, so I don't know if it was always planned to be that. Or if, you know, in the kind of hustle and bustle of working for DC, they had heard it was being canceled and being finished out as a miniseries and just kind of thought that that was always the intention or what. Um, but that I had heard that at San Antonio from them that that was going to be a it was it was a miniseries. And I thought they just heard wrong. And then, of course, the news came out and I was like, well, you know, <laughs> they were telling me something, I guess. <laughs> so, but it's very. I think it's it's very odd, though. Yeah, I for think. sure. I think it's there's there's something there's something about it that just doesn't seem right. I mean, first of all, Cullen Bunn is writing so many books for them right now, and like I mentioned, we we you kind of always assume that Robert Venditti is still, you know, the head guy in Green Lantern, even though it's kind of weird that the head guy is only writing one book. And the other guy was writing two books, and then technically with Lobo, like we said, Lobo kind of has become a lantern at least for the next few months. Lobo is a is, a, is another lantern book essentially. That's uh, kind of, but it just seems like an odd. That's why I, I kind of preface it is that we don't know if they, you know, they, DC and Bun kind of sat down and and kind of like reevaluated their approach to this and decided to take it in a different way. That maybe we should just do it a mini. Maybe we'll get more attention if we do it like as a if we wrap this up as a mini series, even if it's like a few oversized issues or just four more issues and just, you know, promote it as a, I'm not sure if that factored in, but there's certainly, there certainly are books that are DC still has and DC has had before that are worse selling than lost army that have been canceled a lot later in the game. <laughs> and considering lost army, you would think that green lantern core would have gotten a little, would have gotten a little bit longer shot, even if it was a sales driven decision. And that's why I'm, prefacing it that maybe it's not a pure sales decision that led them to do this but it seems like it was it just something about it just doesn't smell right and it just seems and it's and what sucks is we have that storyline that we're not we're, you know we're not going to get resolution to at least short term we don't know what's going to happen uh and it's kind of it's kind of relevant <laughs> since obviously the whole Obviously, I think Cullen Bunn knew how it was going to play out because you know because he, he basically has Sinestro. His two of his books are revolving around the same event. You know, Sinestro right. is revolving around the the absence of the Green Lantern Corps. I mean, yes, Hal is his book is somewhat you know it's kind of somewhat revolving around it too, but not as in an issue by issue like the quest for the Green Lantern Corps continues. Nothing nothing like that. But the whole idea, the current main plot in the Sinestro book is basically all about the Sinestro Corps replacing the Green Lantern Corps as the police force since there is none. So it's kind of relevant to uh so you know, that's another reason why you realize that, you know, probably it was gonna be at least a year's worth of story since this is just kinda of like the Sinestro Corps filling that gap has just started. 
you know, really has just started to come to fruition. So, right. but, but it was news and it was something that, you know, I, I'd been thinking about it, that it does, it doesn't speak well as far as the, where Green Lantern stands right now, that we kind of, if, if we haven't quite hit bottom of the barrel, as far as, you know, the relevance of Green Lantern and the importance of Green Lantern right now, back in the DC universe compared to what it was not that long ago. That we're, we're, we've got to be getting close because, if, especially if we end up not getting a resolution to the storyline within a couple of months, or there's other Green Lantern cores and relaunched, you know, in early in early 2016, then it's like, you know, we really have gone. We've just from the just from after even after Johns and company left. I mean, we still had four Lantern books, and that was before they even launched Sinestro when we had five, and now we're down to two, and. And the most interesting book is still not about a Green Lantern. <laughs> so, um, but that, yeah, that's that's pretty much the only other thing I wanted to say. And I figured we would have time based on the length of the episode to discuss it. Well, I mean, as long as DC keeps putting their attention besides things like Batman Day, instead of uh, giving characters like Green Lantern and Flash and Hawkman who all three have their 75th anniversary this year um, the attention that they deserve so it's all about Batman Batman yeah. this Batman day which I could give a rat's ass about all these different things and it's like but again yeah I agree, I agree but it wasn't but I think it also has to do with whether it's in, whether it's sales alone or whether it's interest or focus on the character it's just that we know that Green Lantern has pretty, you know, it's we certainly are a long way away from the 2009 build-up towards Blackest Night, as in the relevance of Green Lantern and the Green Lantern, including even what's happening as we'll get into what's happening like in, in Lobo. That's there's a lot of crap that's going on in that book. That, in my opinion, that if it's going to happen at all, it should certainly certainly should not be happening in a non-Lantern book, you know? Right. That, and I think that, but I mean, I. I and we'll talk, and we will talk about this in great in more detail once we, in the next uh, issue review episode. But it's just that's just something that bothers me too. It's that besides that it involves Lobo at all, it's just the fact that, and I cut some slack because it's Colin Bunn writing it. And again, he seems to be the main, really, he seems to be the more all-encompassing Green Lantern writer right now. So I'll, I can I can I can see and have more less of an issue with him doing it than than some other writer just being on on a book like Lobo and and then doing this stuff in that book. But still, these are those are there's a lot of important events that are happening in. In, in that in that book and I and I really think it should be happening in a regular lantern book or else it's really going to confuse a lot of people eventually at some point it's like when when did this happen oh that's when it happened <laughs> yeah so. I definitely agree all right you want to go ahead and close this out I will close this out if you'd like to contact us email us at lanterncast at gmail.com lanterncast at gmail.com uh, visit our website lanterncast com. uh See our uh, new episode posts, our Ring Cyclopedia episodes, uh, news, our Dark Star reviews, or Jim's Dark Star. <laughs> not really ours, but you know what I mean. <laughs> You'll, when you check out the website, it'll make it'll be even more clear. Uh, so please check that out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, use hashtag GLCast to find us on both. Or Of course, we're on Facebook. Like us on Facebook, people, please, if you would like us. Please don't be ashamed. Uh, we are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you like us there, 
you know, please leave us positive reviews. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think and any other and any other episode topics that we haven't covered, uh, of course, other than uh, th- Threshold. Uh, which we know you, which, which I'm saying not to even be funny. It's like we clearly, a, a very vocal minority want Threshold, so we know that. That's the reason why I'm saying it. It's not, a, it's not like it's something new, but if it's something we haven't talked about, or you don't know that we're already talking about doing it, and we might be, just throw it out there, and we'll, and we'll let you know pretty quickly if it's something we're planning or we or something we will consider, like maybe moving ahead of other things if people really want it. So. All right, guys. Next episode, it's either September books or the power of mother freaking ion. So get your shit ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.